What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Chrisomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, with the powerful questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Hello again, my friends, and welcome back to the Chris Van Vliet Show. Or if it's your first time here, welcome. Thank you for joining us on all the wrestling podcasts could be listening to right now thank you for spending your time with us thank you for the ratings and views that you've been leaving and thank you for being with me on this journey in 2019 uh whether it's been here on the podcast or uh you were on youtube and you migrated over here to the pod because you're listening at work or you're walking your dog uh, maybe you're at the gym maybe we're commuting to work right now um thank you thank you for listening uh wherever you are and thank you for putting us in the Apple Top 200 last week. That's that's mind-blowing to me, especially since the podcast is not even six months old. So thank you. Uh, maybe you're cooking dinner. Maybe you're doing something. Maybe you're just sitting on the couch. Whatever you're doing, uh, thank you. Uh, if you're enjoying this, please take a screenshot. Uh, let me know you're listening. At uh, Chris Van Vliet is where you can tag me. I will repost you on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, wherever it is that you happen to post that. So I just I'm just stoked that you're part of this. And thank you for leaving these reviews. I'm going to continue reading one on the show to shout you out, to thank you for being part of the audio journey that we're on. Uh, this one is from Stock X is Whack. Sorry. That's, wow. That's an interesting username. Stock X is Whack. Sorry. It's five-star review. The title is Love, Love, Love. Chris. That's six S's at the end of it. Thank you for being you and making these amazing podcasts. I'm always excited when you post a new episode slash video. You save me from work every day. And then there's four exclamation marks after that. I love exclamation marks, by the way. They're like my favorite thing. I feel like everything I'm saying in life has an exclamation mark on the end of it. So like when I actually like type out and you'll see, you'll see my captions on Instagram or Twitter have a lot of exclamation marks. Uh, so thank you. Stock X is whack. Sorry. For the review, uh, keep those coming. I appreciate it. Also, a big thank you to Samson for the top-notch equipment that make us sound so good and make us sound so top-notch. Without them, I mean, you'd really be hearing nothing. Or, you know, maybe you'd be hearing this. This is what a lot of wrestling podcasts sound like. Let's be honest. You need good equipment for people to realize that you have a good show. So, SamsonTech.com has really helped us out. You can check out all their mics and cables, mixers, and uh, awesome headphones like the ones that I'm wearing here. So Frank Mir is an MMA legend. Uh, and even if you've never watched UFC, you know that he's the guy who handed Brock Lesnar his first ever loss in UFC. And it was in Brock Lesnar's first ever UFC match. It was in his UFC debut. And if you didn't know that, well, you know it now. Yeah, Frank made him tap out to a knee bar a minute 30 into the first round. However, Brock would go on to get his revenge a year later with a TKO victory over Mir. So they're one and one. But that was 10 years ago. And there's been a lot of talk over 
the last 10 years about them having a rematch. And it sounds like it just may happen inside a wrestling ring. I mean, we've seen Ronda Rousey made the jump from MMA to pro wrestling. Frank Trigg, Matt Riddle, Filthy Tom Lawler. Most recently, we saw Cain Velasquez actually doing that program with Brock Lesnar. So why not Frank Mir? He's been training with Austin Aries in Las Vegas and says he wants to make this happen before he's too old for it not to happen. So Frank invited me into his home for this chat. And man, I I love how well-spoken he is. Uh, He's also smoking a cigar during this interview, which watch the video. It just, I don't know, it just makes it that much cooler. He's been a great MMA commentator through the years, and you can totally see why. He's just so relaxed. He's outgoing. He's well-spoken. And I think that it'd be amazing to see him in the ring. I mean, he's been doing like some of the shoot fighting, like the blood sport type of stuff uh, with Austin Aries. It'd be so cool to see him transition one more step into pro wrestling. And he's well on his way. It sounds like we may see him in a pro wrestling ring sometime in 2020. So I really enjoyed this. I know that you will too. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Frank Mir. Stogie here. Yeah. yeah, thank you for inviting me to your home. Oh, my pleasure, man. Glad to have you come down here. Yeah, it's beautiful being here in the uh, Mir residence. We got the Christmas tree behind us here. Yes, uh, courtesy of Mrs. Mir, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> 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 just see her decorating the tree. That's actually a smaller tree for us this year because I finally, after you know, Bella's sixteen, so you know, Jennifer and I've been together now, you know, married for uh, sixteen and together for eighteen. She always wants to do these nine foot, ten foot. I mean, we were in an apartment when we first got together, and the tree like bent at the top, you know. Oh man! So finally, I'm like, look, you know, can we just go small? So that's only a seven foot tree. So like, basically, two thirds of her ornaments are still packed up. She and she had to like be selective. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't know what's worse, having to put them all at the end or having to sit here and go, which one? This one? This one? What about this one? This one? I'm like, this is like clothes shopping all over again. Oh my god! You've got tall ceilings here. You can have like a twenty foot tree. Uh, I think what's the tallest we ever had? I think we went twelve. Okay, 12-foot tree. Wow. Man. Jeez. I do like, though, like we're in Las Vegas. It's fairly warm. We're in the desert. But it still feels like, you know, it can still feel like Christmas. Yeah, it still gets super chilly here. I mean, my pool still, if I don't have the uh, water features on, you'll wake up and you'll hear the water running. It's because it, it has a freezing sensor. So, I mean, it drops below freezing here. So Man. Yeah. So, you're, you're training in the gym every day. Yeah. I mean, that's my job. And it's also... I enjoy it. I always tell people this when they wonder about that. They're like, you go to the gym every day? I'm all, you know, there's a 90% of the people I'm in the gym with don't get paid to be there. They actually pay a membership to be there. Yeah. I happen to be lucky that I'm actually getting, I get to make a living. Like I don't have to now take a shower from the gym just to go to work or coming from work and then changing my clothes at the gym. Uh, that's more of the norm of what happens. So me training at the gym and training all the time, I'm just blessed that I get to do something I love yeah. and, and, and for some crazy reason I get paid for it but even if you're not training specifically for a fight you're still in there all the time yeah I mean I grew up in a gym my dad my dad came over from Cuba you know obviously boxing and judo and wrestling is a big part of the culture there and when he came over obviously he was enamored with boxing but my dad likes martial arts and so I think he wanted to get more into fighting so he opened up a karate gym but our karate like especially from what he did in the 70s um, was very much full contact and so it looked very more reminiscent of uh, above the waist kickboxing meaning that all 
the kicks were from the waist up, uh, but still full contact with the hands and with the kicking. And so I grew up in that. I mean, I, I, my furthest memory, I can't remember what it was like not to be in a gym. And so, uh, you know, my kids are saying, hey, like today, you know, my daughter, because she's in the uh, GCS Academy, affords her a much more uh, flexible schedule because they're all athletes that go there. So when she gets done today, uh, she was at the gym with me. We're both on the mat while we're drilling. There's a big class, 50 pros on the mat. We're all working out, you know, and there was a combination called off. And there's my daughter with her partner. Yeah. Going, Dad, were we supposed to throw the kick before or after the cross? I'm like, well, it depends on the feeling, on the angle, you know. So, you know, I mean, who, and at the end, I'm sitting there and she had to get ready because she has wrestling practice so she didn't do all the live around sparring you know she gives me a kiss on the cheek oh dad i gotta go home real quick i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go get my lunch and then i'll see you later i'm like okay baby you know what i mean like that's my life right well you, you're just coming off the roy nelson fight yeah how are you feeling after that win oh it's great you know um that's your first win in like four years. It was, you know, yeah. coming because of the suspension and then, uh, you know, and dealing with that garbage with with USADA and then, and then you know, coming into, uh, you know, Bellator, you know, first fight I took off, you know, Fedor and, you know, I was rusty because I knocked him down but then got crazy and tried to chase him and fought completely out of character and emotional, ended up losing that fight. And then the last fight, freak accident, which probably never happened again or, or since, you know, just were just a weird breakage with against a clinch against the uh, 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 cage with no mouth piece and so just just kind of a string of bad luck that really kind of tests you because yeah. you know a lot of people you know it's easy to stay in the gym when you're winning you know at the same time now you haven't won a fight you know and it's going on four years and you're sitting there going oh man and then now it's not like i'm a guy in his 20s where you're like well you know it's a slump it happens to athletes you're gonna get out of it you know now not only am i battling that but i'm battling them you know you're in your 40s now dude you know maybe maybe it's time to hang it up maybe it's time to call it you know and then fighting somebody like nelson who has more overhand right knockouts than anybody else in MMA right now you know and, and who I beat previously yeah. so I knew he was hungry and wanted to you know to make sure he took my head off uh, you know there's a lot of factors that really I think I'm blessed to have because I always think adversity and, and testing yourself like that at the end of the day if you survive it I mean a long version of the Sun Tzu statement of you know that which doesn't kill you only makes you stronger <laughs> right so as you sit here right now are there any effects from the Roy Nelson fight no I'm actually good now I I try to get back in there a week after the fight you know <laughs> against my wife's uh, judgment. It's like, oh, because I mean, my shin was split. And when you split your shin in the fight, um, it's not because it was split from the outside in. It's your shin bone cutting through your own, your tibia is shaped kind of like a triangle, like a sword almost, you know, or at one end of it, you know? And so I actually cut my own bone cut through oh. my flesh so it's a real deep cut probably should have had it stitched up but i didn't uh, it was in Connecticut. i just want to get home and so uh that took a little while to heal and then i i made it public you know i tore my labrum really bad on my shoulder so that was rough because obviously training for the fight the adrenaline i was pumped up man uh, for about two weeks afterwards i even tried like i said i went back to the gym one of the guys uh, who's a light heavyweight Corey uh, hendrix was getting ready for a fight at the ACA over in uh, in Kazakhstan. So, you know, he helped me prepare for the fight. So I wanted to get back. And, and that's part about martial arts. You get back in the gym and you help yeah, you guys yeah. out. Man, it was the first day back. We're drilling. He throws a body kick and I check it with my shoulder and pull, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, like, boom, my arm drops. I just walk off. I'm like, 
I thought I could come back, dude. I can't. I, my body just, I'm in too much pain. So then I took off another two weeks. So actually, this is the first week. I mean, we started hitting the gym a little bit last week, lifting weights and stuff and moving around that way and shadow boxing. And I've been going to wrestling practice with my son, so taking shots and drilling moves with him. But as far as first day back sparring, today yeah. was the first day back sparring and firing off. And actually, I felt great. I, I mean, obviously, I'm 15 years, 20 years older than everybody on the mat. But, uh, uh, you know, I you felt still good. whoop them all. Okay, yeah. You know what? I'm blessed with the fact that the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blessed that for whatever reason, uh, my father's genetics being Cuban, I'm super quick. And so being my size and being quick and then add the fact that I know more than most people's coaches know about fighting, you know what I mean? Sure. And so my strategy, my timing is just really good. So even today, I went three rounds with three professional fighters, and, and <laughs> it wasn't a good day for them. <laughs> and then round four, everybody's like, oh, you're doing so awesome. Let's go because we're supposed to do five rounds. And I'm like, okay, I, I know you guys got the impression that I because I'm doing well, but I'm tired now. <laughs> I'm going to sit down. So I sat down the last two rounds. I'm like, well, three rounds the first day is not bad, you know? You look great. Like, what do you weigh sitting here right now? Well, I'm too. 70 that's solid yeah yeah, yeah and, and a lot of that's to do with my uh one thing i always made a mistake in the past in my career especially the last 10 years because i got so much into lifting weights is that oh i need a bunch of protein so uh, very much animal products and just trying to you know you know always thought that size mattered you know it does but with that came a lot of bloatedness and i think extra weight especially around my midsection that wasn't necessary mm. and now I, you know i'm still not where i want to be but if you see the last fight my body fat is coming down and a lot of that is first you know I, i'm kind of taking the baby steps uh, it's been about six months now i gave up dairy you know and just won't have cheese or anything uh, milk products and then I, I've, I've pretty much abandoned all uh, uh red meat and chicken and, and whatnot uh the the only thing I still have in my diet besides plant-based uh, uh, is, is, is fish. Okay. Yeah, so I can't give up sushi yet, guys. So, so you're like a pescatarian. Yeah, yeah. So and making steps, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, there's full days that I'll eat, you know, as a vegan, you know. And, you know, I have no problem hanging out with Austin. We'll go out to restaurants and <laughs> we eat the same way. And that's why I always tell people when they ask me, like, well, how do you feel? I'm all, honestly, I tried keto. I've tried this. I've ran the gambit with every way to diet this lifestyle is the easiest because the food all tastes good. It's easy to eat a vegetarian meal and have it taste good. And, yeah. and then because it's vegetables and it's not calorically dense, I can eat a lot. Yeah. So I, I walk away from a meal. I mean, I, I can eat like a half a pound or a pound of Brussels sprouts and it's not bad for you. Right. And, you know, hey, if it's made right with a little bit of vinegar on there and, yeah, yeah. and flash fried, the stuff is good. You yeah, know, yeah. so and at the end, it's like, well, you know, it's healthy. But you mentioned Austin. It's Austin Aries, right. uh, who was recently on the show and is actually just sitting right here. Yeah, he's yeah, there. He is. Oh, there's Austin Aries, everyone. Greatest man that ever lived. Yeah. Um, how did you guys become friends? Actually, I do a podcast called Phone Booth Fighting. Uh, my partner, Richard Hunter, is a vegan. Uh, he's been so now for probably 10, 15 years. You know, he, probably the kind of same path I did. So I like, you know, went to pescatarian, then he became a vegetarian, you know, where he still had eggs, and, and then uh, eventually, you know, straight vegan, him and his, his, his partner, uh, Jen. And, and so uh, our podcast runs a gambit. He's extremely left. I'm much more of a moderate. Uh, you know, I'm still pro-guns, but I'm pro-choice on, you know, things. So, that, that, I don't know. I always tell people, where does that put me? I'm okay for guys to carry a gun at their wedding and as long as they marry another, you know, and, and they're allowed to marry men. I don't care, you know, which I think just makes us libertarians because I'm like, dude, I don't think the government should tell you two 18-year-olds what they what, what they have to do with their life. So, as long as you're not hurting somebody else, who cares? But anyways. Sure, yeah. 
So uh, his book that came out, uh, his, uh, his press uh, uh, personnel came and contacted us. And because of uh, Richard's connection that, we brought him on. And it was funny because at that point I had tried, I had a stint for my life where I tried. I thought I was eating like a vegan for about six months, you know. Uh, and just basically I was doing like, oh, it's French fries and you know, it's, it's vegan, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but I never, I always had my suspicions of, you know, we're omnivores, we're bears, you're supposed to have meat, you know, or, you know, like, come on, how can you, you don't see any guys that look like me and, and pushing weight around and throwing guys through the air, you know, then, you know, here comes Austin, a little spark, like, fucking sits down, I'm like, looking at his arms, I'm like, this dude's a real athlete, like, look at his shoulders, you know, his, his, his body stature, so I was like, really, like, you know, and then I asked the same stupid question, he's probably gonna get asked about a thousand more times before they ever bury him, is that like, well, how do you get all your protein, you know, right. and so, you know, and he was actually not a dick about it, and, and, you know, and answered my question. He goes surprisingly, he was like, I think because it was coming from a genuine place. Some people ask that question because I think they think they're going to mock your answer. You know, like someone asks you something like, "Oh yeah, well, how do you manage this?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, dude, you already have a preconceived notion. You're trying to set me up. Where I was just like, no, honestly, man, like, look at you. You're muscular as shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, how how are you able to do that? So I think because he saw the genuine you know, interest in me that he was just like, well, look, I mean, honestly, look, I, you know, I eat, mac, I eat a, a mac and cheese and I do it this way. And then, and, you know, cashews and then the lentil and, you know, it's 30 grams. He goes, are you eating 30? I'm like, no, no, hold on. I mean, yeah. so from there it sparked an interest and we started talking and hanging out. And then I think the next evolution of it was, is that, um, you know, guys who keep trying to make breaks into pro wrestling and stuff, and there's always been kind of an animosity or a rivalry, I should say, between fighters, you know, professional fighters and and and, and uh, MMA or wrestlers, right. professional wrestling. And I never really understood why, because it'd be like me being mad at Keanu Reeves. Well, you're not a real guy. What are you doing? It's like, well, hold on, man. This is a different uh, platform for entertainment. You're an entertainer too. You know, you're not just walking around beating the hell out of people you're putting on a pair of shorts. People are paying to show up to be yeah. entertained by your ability to fight. There's rules to this. There's, it's still a sport. And then under that guise, I realized I'm like, well, professional wrestling is the same as making movies. It's just, it's a different genre or, you know, or a different medium for the same genre of, hey, it's all martial arts. Yeah. So then we, uh, we started, I told him, I have an interest in trying it out. You know, I've been doing stand-up comedy, you know, why not? You know, let me go out there and try. So I went to the gym with him. We went to uh, future stars of wrestling here in Vegas and the first practice actually I interrupted him about halfway through I was like dude I gotta apologize I never had a clue how much there is to this because it was funny I realized that I was saying something to him leading up to it that was insulting and I didn't realize I was being insulting which he Austin you know is contrary to belief is not a constant asshole <laughs> he actually <laughs> let me off the hook with it because when he was like well you're only gonna need to learn certain spots you only have to learn these aspects of my craft and my answer to that was like no i want to learn it all yeah. being genuine being like well no no i don't want to take shortcuts because i already established a name yeah. let me learn everything that's what i meant by it but then i could realize that i'll never learn everything there is about what he's learned in 20 years just right. like if austin were to tell me hey man i want to learn everything you know in the next six months yeah it would be an insult to yeah. be like Really? I've been doing this since I was four years old. You think that in six months you're going to know everything I know? <laughs> Impossible. It's, and, but he realized I was just being humble and not being a dick. Well, I'm glad because a lot of people could have taken it that way. So that's when I told him, I said, Dude, I, I, I'm sorry, I apologize. You're right. There is no way I'm going to learn even a quarter yeah. of everything there's to learn about this craft. 
Were you always a pro wrestling fan? I was a fan back in the 80s when my dad, you know, obviously during that, you know, you know Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and, and whatnot. And then still when, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin came on the uh, scene and, the, you know, NWO, uh, almost all my friends, everybody was super interested. But then once I turned professional in fighting, honestly, it was a divergence. Sure. You know, I have so much time in the day and I was spending my time watching videos on Pride and UFC, yeah. and I wasn't paying attention to the pro wrestling scene at all. Well, you kind of had like disparaging things to say about pro wrestling when you first fought Brock, right? And you know, like obviously, your opinion must have shifted a little bit at least since then. You know what? My opinion of Brock changed uh, in the sense of I still want to stomp his ass. You want to you want to kill uh, him, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want him to be the first octagon related death anymore. Paraplegic, maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> You want him to be the first squared circle death. Now. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, obviously, look, honestly, you know, he has kids and a, and a wife. <laughs> I hope that he can breathe the next day after I fight. I just wanted him to struggle a little bit to do so. Um, <laughs> you know, just Maybe he just can't chew a steak for a month would be nice. Uh, and so, but but as far as his ability to to react and sell in there blew my blows my mind because i see how pro wrestling right right, because i see how hard it is for me all the time i mean there was one time (laughs) austin was doing a splash down and i'm supposed to lay and show me how to take it then he goes and then i do my interpretation of a cell on it you know and he just starts laughing at me i'm like what's wrong he goes until you get somewhat better i'm just gonna keep laughing at you (laughs) that was horrible you know because my whole life i've been taught not to show pain not to show discomfort you know even in the fight with roy nelson one of his left hooks inadvertently just kind of got thumbed in the eye and so my vision in my right eye completely went out like you know you jam someone hard enough and it's just a blur sure well if i start blinking and touching my face and he knows you know yeah. so i have to sit there and i'm looking at him and i'm moving my head and i can't see for shit i can see with my left eye so i have no depth perception i'm sitting there going okay just it's gonna come back it's gonna come back you know <laughs> you know and just and then all of a sudden you know you know throw a pump a jab a little bit i'm like okay let me walk away from my blind side and then boom my vision came back in I couldn't tell anybody and show, you know, even if, you know, as guys will go to complain to the ref or something like that, I'm like, dude, you're, you're show, you're showing your hands. Yeah. Don't, you can't suck it up, you know? And so, uh, you know, so that reversal of having to portray emotion and tell a story with my expression, yeah. that's difficult. It's hard. So you've worked a couple blood sport matches, yep. which is like the work shoot matches. Do you have intentions to work an actual pro wrestling yeah. match? Yeah, I just think that right now those opportunities came for me. Uh, you know, working at the Blood Sport and then the, the, the event they had here, uh, the uh, Future Stars of Wrestling event uh, that uh, Austin will actually be on next weekend. Um, those are easy transitions because it's just, you know, it's, it's grappling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I do every day. I roll with guys all the time where it's like, all right, I can roll with a person who weighs 120 pounds. And if I feel what you're doing, I can go with the throws and maneuvers and you know, I know how to be a good partner and work. And so that wasn't hard. There's no ropes there. There's no having to sell really, you know, as much. So I didn't want to fool anybody and go, well, I'm ready for to jump right into a full blown match. I'm like, well, no, look, if I can start being in that genre and start to move and take these baby steps, why not? Yeah. You know, the equivalent of if you're starting a professional fight career, it's like, all right, your first fight, you're going to wear headgear, there's going to be no elbows. All right, you're making steps towards sure. what you're trying to do. And why not? There's so many new moving, you know, factors and so many moving parts. The more you can eliminate certain aspects of it to focus on yeah. and, and then increase and add to your plate as you get better. And focus on 
your strengths, which you have, you know, many of them from the career that you've had. So where are you at right now with your pro wrestling training? I still count out loud when I'm running the ropes. So. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Yeah. One, Twist. Two. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, there's still a lot of thinking. And so, uh, you know. But you can bump? Yeah, yeah that, okay. actually taking bumps was probably one of the easier aspects for me because it's just tumbling. You know, sitting <laughs> like, oh, okay, this part's cool. Yeah. Um, it's the, honestly, probably if I had a report card, taking bumps or falling, you know, I'm athletic, you know, I could do a cartwheel, you know. Sure. That part is an easy transition. It's the selling that's the hard part for me. You know, and knowing how to, and, and also too, how to feel another guy. I'm not used to you cooperating with me. Or in turn, I'm not used to giving up parts of my body right. you know if someone starts to reach for my arm my intention is not to go ahead and give you my arm yeah. you know my intention is oh you want my arm like I, that's one of the first things i teach people mostly in fighting is like hey if you feel somebody wants something even if you don't know what they're doing don't give it to them yeah. you know if i feel you going for my leg i don't know i might not know what leg lock you're going for but let me just remove my leg from the equation yeah you know if, if you pull something i'm going to push back you know and that's just kind of like a real dumbed down version of until you can catch up like fake it till you make it yeah. you know like if i'm pulling your arm don't let me have it and, and now it's like no now it's the opposite now you're going to want to go ahead and, and position and, and move in a certain way that you're able to flow with another human being well we just saw Cain velasquez in there i feel like the door is wide open if you do want to make this happen no, and I do. Well, here's my thought process on it. Obviously, I could just jump in there and just and cash in on a couple times and show up. And, and, and I hope that Kane's not doing that. Well, I guess I don't care what Kane's doing. But, <laughs> but I kind of did the same thing when I do stand-up comedy. There, there's a novelty of, of uh, what's his name, uh, from Two and a Half Men, um, the actor. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Yeah. All right, there's the Charlie Sheen factor, right? And that's when somebody really doesn't know what the fuck they're doing in something, but they have such a name that they can probably fake it and make it, right? So he did that one-man show, and it was a complete disaster. Like, yes. he had no intentions But he of, made all kinds of money doing it. Sold out, yeah. fucking jumped on a fucking dollar. No I one, actually went to one of them. Was it as bad as people said? I just kind of sat there and told stories for an hour, and we went... Eh, all right. All right. Yeah. That's not quite as bad as some of the reviews. They scathed them. And then his response to it was like, well, fuck you. I got your money. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to be that guy. And then so in other aspects of my life, I haven't been that guy. When it comes to podcasting, doing stand-up comedy, yeah. I don't want to just cash in and go, well, I have my name. I've done my work here. Well, I think, one, it's, it's not only is it you're shitting on your fans, I think you're shitting on the other people that have been part of your sport. Like, I was upset when CM Punk got to have a UFC fight for his debut. Well, if all of a sudden I, my first ever pro wrestling match, get to jump into an AEW or, 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 or a WW or a, a match, yeah. what a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? So just on my name, I jump out there. I'm not going to look very good. I'm not going to do a great job. But, uh, and what does that say to all the other guys that have worked, that have, that have wrestled for 50 fucking bucks for fucking five years? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a spit in their face. And now, I was the one upset before when one other guy came over in my sport and just took another guy. That was my problem yeah. with it. I didn't, wasn't mad at CM Punk for getting an opportunity. I was mad because it took opportunity away from somebody else. I'm like, well, there's one less guy on the card now that he's been working 
his ass off to be there in this world. Yeah, yeah. You just jumped over and get to take his spot and be on a main card. Like, that's kind of bullshit. And yeah. so I'd be hypocritical if I was that same guy. So I genuinely want to learn and, and put in and, and build myself up. Now, obviously, I'll never be at the same level of somebody who has just, you know, like Austin, who's wrestled for 20 years. I won't be able to do a 15-minute match and just flow and figure it out. You know, five minutes before the match goes, hey, is your spot, is my spot, we'll go yeah. here. No, no, I don't like this. Okay, yeah, give me this, you know. That's not going to happen for me. But as far as giving a genuine effort to be respectful of the guys that have put in their work and time, I want to be that guy. And then the way I look at it, the reason why I like it is because the same reason I like movies. People are always being inspired, right? And it draws people over. I was inspired by Bruce Lee and Jim Kelly back you know, in the 70s you know, when, when they came out with you know, Into the Dragon. Steven Seagal, Van Damme, these guys inspired me. Were they real fighters? Yeah, Jim Kelly was, you know what I mean? Bruce Lee even is arguably, who knows, you know what I mean? Like, obviously all the tales of him being, you know, obviously this ferocious fighter, but I don't know if he really was or not. Um, I never seen him in a UFC fight. I never saw him fight, you know? Uh, you know, he never did kickboxing matches. It was professional boxing back then. He didn't do that. Yeah. And so, but I was still inspired by him. He still got me to want to train martial arts and countless other people, right? So I think that that's one thing that I can bring into the, the, the pro, uh, you know, into the ring is that I can show people martial arts still working. And I think that's something that's kind of, when I watch wrestling matches, that's probably why even I, you know, look, sometimes I look at guys and I'm like, hey man, that's awesome. You can do some flips and jump around, but everything you're doing is completely unrealistic. It would never work. But I remember watching wrestling matches in the 80s and going, oh, well, that, that would hurt. Oh, that would hurt. That would tear your arm off. Like there was a certain sense of realism that really, that I think they've completely divulged from. And I think there's a, a hunger for that now. Because if you watch like, you know, the John Wick movies with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. You know, you got guys now that, you know, they show him YouTube clips of him training and doing three gun challenges and, you know, working from long gun shotgun and transition to a sidearm. So now people go, oh, obviously that that's a person under perfect conditions, not messing up. That'd be like a guy shooting 33 pointers in a row. It's possible. Yeah. Not probable in real life, probably, but it's still possible. He's not standing out in the parking lot, kicking it, and all of a sudden it flies 500 yards and goes, it's like, okay, that could never happen. Yeah. So I think that bringing that realism back into yeah. the pro wrestling world with my legitimate background in MMA is really honestly the, you know, the, the, the way to go. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, I find it humorous, but I mean, hell, I mean, you have guys in sport now that like, you know, their penis is a weapon. You know, guys in grabbing, they're getting thrown around. You know, it's comical, it's funny but I think that it doesn't inspire kids to want to learn martial arts. And, you know, if wrestling was a real martial arts at one time, and then the entertainment aspect of it, I think just added more people to have flair and be interested in it. There's a real dividing line, though, between wrestling and pro wrestling. Like, pro wrestling is it's entertainment, you know? Yeah, but it can if still Joey be based Ryan in reality. If Joey Ryan wants to flip people with his dick and people cheer for it, then, and, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, but it's the same thing as watching a movie. Uh, I find watching movies that are realistic when I see guys clearing a house and I go, oh, look, that's actually based on reality. Right. You know, when I see uh, other movies, I'm just not interested. When I watch the guy with the, the six gun that never runs out of bullets and he just stands there and everybody falls down and he can walk. You know, even sometimes, I mean, I watch, I'm like, wow, they never, the, the bad guys never seem to hit them. You know what I mean? Like, that bothers me. Well, I, maybe maybe Joe Re Joey Ryan has a magical, you know, package. <laughs> you don't know till you try. I don't know. Maybe he could legit flip you. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But, so, I, <laughs> but I think that is just a... And no discredit to anybody else, but I, I think that that is just a um, a symptom of the fact that 
everybody wants to show how athletic they are, how much entertaining they can be. And I think that, you know, this is still a combat art, right? It's still based on the fact of combat. And I think bringing back a certain level of realism to it, yeah. it can still be entertaining because there's still a story being told. There's still a narrative, just like a movie. I don't think that the narrative has to be that I can flip better than you or I'm more athletic and I can do this. I think there can be a narrative that's great, you know, hey, puts more pressure on the writers, but then just, hey, step up your game. Make the writing entertaining and make the moves legitimate. You know, Ken Shamrock just took a dick flip recently. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah, so. What's the last thing Ken Shamrock did again? Took a dick flip. Yeah. Before that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, he's in your world. Um, (laughs) If we look ahead into 2020, Frank, does this mean that if you don't want to jump right into AEW, don't want to jump right into WWE, does this mean we'll see you working some indie matches? Yeah, I think that's actually the area right now just because... Yeah, talk to Austin. Austin Aries is your manager. Yes, yeah. and so I think working in that well, I mean, also too, I keep talking to Austin about like you know tag teams. I think is easy, also too, a method in because already like you know, it kind of sucks because I've gotten to watch a couple of Austin's matches from the outside. But I think being in there and, and being with somebody who's a veteran, knowing what they're doing, I mean. I wish we can take him in MMA and me do that. We're like, hey, we're going to have a two-on-one fight. I'm going to do 80% of the work. You just jump in here, and you're going to be in here and get to learn, like, what an advantage to take over. Sure, but yeah. MMA doesn't really afford that. I mean, there's certain parts of Russia we can do it. But <laughs> 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 but uh, for the most part, you know, but in our world or in the pro wrestling world, I can jump in there and watch and see how things are being done yeah. and, and, and take these intermediate steps so that yeah. I can build up a legitimate repertoire. Everyone's clamoring for that thing third match in the Brock you know trilogy are you saying that this might happen in a pro wrestling ring instead of in an MMA forum well right now he's retired MMA so I don't know if I'm well, going to be able to get that but we know how retirements in MMA often work though yeah true I'm hoping look uh, I think that it only makes sense the two of us fight again I mean uh, I made him tap the first time he yeah. finished me with strikes the second time I mean both the fights I think were exciting to people to watch yeah so uh, I don't think he wants, I'm sure it bothers him every time people talk about me. I made him tap. I made him scream uncle. He sat there and, you know, you know, slapped my leg asking the referee to save him from, you know, disfigurement. He has to sleep with that. You know what I mean? And same thing. Hey, he kicked my ass in one of the fights. I mean, I, I got up, didn't know where I was. I mean, he gave me a good ass whooping. Uh, why wouldn't he want to go there and yeah. finish it off, you know, one last time? I do, you know. As you were heading into that first fight with Brock, were you like, I'm just going to destroy this guy. No, contrary. Really? Honestly, it upset me a little bit because uh, I looked at him watching film and whatnot and getting prepared. I knew who he was from wrestling at Minnesota. So I looked at him as, oh, I'm fighting a guy who was a national champion wrestler. Yeah, yeah. But, you know what well, I mean? He lost his junior year <laughs> to Stephen Neal, you know what I mean? Who, to me, was the, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. This guy, you know, his junior year, Stephen was a senior. You know, Stephen Neal was already a national champ from his junior year. I think the runner-up his sophomore year. So, I mean, he's up there with pedigree that's extremely high. I mean, Neal went on to go ahead and, in 1999 was the world champion. Uh, Dan Hodge recipient. And then, you know, the reason why he didn't continue on wrestling is because he went to the Patriots and got a couple Super Bowl rings throwing guys around there. Uh, So, you know, I looked at Lesnar as a very legitimate threat because of his wrestling background. Big, strong, athletic guy that knows how to wrestle and is going to always be a good position, right? And then I was backstage getting ready for the fight, you know, the week of doing PR and stuff. And 
one of the uh, uh, other fighters on the card, and, and the story would be better if I could remember who it was, who it was. But I just was so like in shock that after he, what he said to me, he goes, I, I just remember the kid kind of like, grabbed me on the back of the shoulder. He goes, "Hey man, you got to do this. It's you know, it's MMA versus pro wrestling. We can't look." Yeah, yeah. And I, I looked around. I'm like. Oh, you think he's a pro wrestler? Please tell me no one else thinks this guy's just a pro wrestler. Like, the dude's a national champion wrestler. Like, legitimately, you know, like, I'm like, what? So then that actually put a lot of pressure on me because I'm sitting there going, people are going to think that he's just a pro wrestler? Like, no. Give me anybody else. Most of the other pro wrestlers don't have a background in combat. I think that's why the wrestling looks the way it looks. They don't really know what an arm bar is or really legitimately know how to hit a double on a guy who doesn't want to go down. Uh, And so, you know, there's some guys that look at it. I see him throw a punch. I'm like, I guarantee you that dude's never even been in a real fight in his life. Oh, God. Uh, and so, and here you have a guy in Lesnar who legitimately was a fighter. You know what I mean? The guy, I mean, yeah. he didn't become the champ because he, he, he you know, he sucked. You know? <laughs> uh, and so uh, that, was, that was upsetting. And so I was really focused to take him out. But Brock's got to know he's going into this fight with you and you're like a legit killer. Like, you know, he's, he's got to see the tape. I remember watching live when you broke Tim Sylvia's arm. I, I actually want to ask you about that. When you slapped on that arm bar, were you like, I'm going to break his arm? Uh, no, actually, I was holding on because I locked up the arm bar and he actually slipped his elbow out. But I wanted to transition to a triangle, which was to get to my head to the other side. So when he went to lift me up, I just bridged to make myself very heavy as a kind of a lever. Yeah. I always tell people, it's like, if you lift up a stick from the end and it's long, it's going to be heavy. Yeah. If the stick were to, you put the center of gravity of the stick underneath yeah. the weight of the stick, well, now you can lift it up with a little bit more ease. Uh, you know, like holding a baseball bat, holding it up vertically, you know, now it's about balance. But if the bat were to swing out, well, now the bat's going to have some weight to it because of the leverage. So when someone goes to pick you up, you want to be as long as possible to make it to where now it's difficult for them to slam you. So that's all I was doing was just kind of leveraging my body out so that way he would have to fall back down. And when he fell down, that forward pressure would basically throw him into a triangle. So it's a move I had done in practice many a time, especially in jiu-jitsu. So as I'm doing that, all of a sudden, his arm just gives loose. I just feel pop, 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 and it opens. So I'm like, oh, I don't know what I have, but I have something, and it's being destroyed, so let me keep driving my hips forward. So I just kept driving forward until Herb Dean came in and told me to stop the fight. So when I rolled off, I was like, oh, the fight's over with. And then his mannerism afterwards kind of threw me because, I mean, my coach and I were looking at him like, he goes, did you break his arm? I'm like, "Uh, maybe his elbow just dislocated. I'm like, dude, something popped. Something opened up. So like, oh, we're going to restart the fight. I'm like, cool, just start me back in the arm bar. (laughs) Yeah, you wanted to keep fighting. Yeah, but the way I looked at it, I was like, hey, I had your arm. Give me back your arm. And we could get starting. So that was kind of the disagreement we had. You know, I was like, well, put me back in the same position. Yeah. You, know I mean? like, you give me your arm and we can start all over. Yeah. So then they're like, well, we're going to have to, we'd have to start you neutral. And so then my coach is freaking out, but I'm like, eh, you even see me kind of like, Hey man, we'll do it again. We'll do it now. All right. So I started wrapping my glove up like, all right, start the fight again. Cause in my mind, I was just going to throw a head kick right at his arm, you know, cause you know, when he goes to block it, I'm like, we'll find out real quick if it's <laughs> yeah. broken, which thankfully her, you know, and the doctor came in, uh, I think it was Goodman, uh, stopped the fight. Cause had they, cause you imagine I'd have thrown a full blast kick, at his arm and it wasn't oh. detached it might have yeah it might have uh, been bad for our sport what about the other broken arm the Noguera yeah that one I, I felt bad about and I knew that was going to happen just because uh, uh, you know an American versus a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu you know even though it was a Japanese art was really modified to its current state in, in Brazil you know and um, 
when I had him in the Kimura, I remember once I had it slipped to a certain angle, I'm like, okay, it's done. I have yeah. you. You can see me in the fight starting to look for Herb because I, I, I knew he's not going to tap. So as soon as the referee jumps in, I can let go of pressure. You know, because I'm still a fan of Nogueras and, and I'm not a guy who's trying to. I've never tried to maim somebody in our sport. If you get hurt by me, that's because you don't protect yourself and the referee didn't get in there. Uh, I'm not trying to get in extra. I've never been that guy that, you know, if, if, if the referee grabs me, I keep twisting. I, I think that's wrong. I think that, look, we're both martial artists. And I always tell this to people when people sit there and go, How much do you hate the other guy? I'm all, I mean, there's guys I've liked less than others. But for the most part, if all of a sudden in the middle of my fight, let's say the power goes out and they say, I'm sorry, you know, Dana comes out, hey, look, you know, fight's postponed, we'll come back in the next week, you know, everybody go next door to the bar, drinks are on us. And I'm sitting at the bar and having a beer. Who do you think I have most in common with? Who do you think would probably be the guy that I'd be sharing a beer with? The guy in the front row who's screaming obscenities and has no clue, stand him up. What the hell's going on in a fight? Who hasn't been in a fight since he got beat up in fifth grade? <laughs> probably not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm probably going to be hanging out with the guy I was fighting. He knows what it's like to train. He, he, he's into the same interests that I have. He has injuries and, and pain and, and same fears and same angst and same goals. That's a dude I'm going to share a beer with. Yeah, yeah. So as far as wanting to shred his arm, I didn't want to. I was hoping it just dislocated at the elbow when it did finally pop. And then you even see later when I stood up and I was doing the interview, like I'm kind of looking over at him and the fact that they're bracing his arm, I was like, well, shit, it's just a dislocated elbow. Like, what's going on? Maybe dislocate the shoulder? And then I never in my wildest of dreams imagined the Kimura, the hammerlock, could have destroyed his humerus that way. You know, spiral fractured, you know, they had to put it back together with, you know, a halo. You're a, you're a strong man with great technique. Of course yeah. it can happen. Well, I just thought that the weak link would have been the shoulder. I sure, figured I would have yeah. tore a shoulder. Yeah. Tore a rotator cuff, which is a horrible injury. Uh, you know, I don't want that on anybody. But I thought that the soft tissue would have went first. But I guess at the angle that I had it, it broke at the humerus. Is, is pro wrestling the transition for you out of MMA? Like, how, much, how many more years do you think you have in MMA? I'm going to keep fighting. I mean, uh, I'm 40 now. And there's guys that are in mid-40s and later that are still very successful in MMA. Especially the fact that I'm a heavyweight. It makes it easy. Uh, because, look, Demetrius Johnson loses two-tenths of a second of his reaction time. He's fighting guys that are fighting at 125 pounds. You know, flyweights that are, yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like it's Lightning fast. Lightning fast. I'm over 200 pounds. We're quick, but I can lose two-tenths of a second and still see a right hand coming from the best fighters in, in the world. It's not the same speed. Even, you know, Deontay Wilder, who has the best right hand in all of combat sports, right? You can still see it. It's not so fast. Now, Lomachenko, even though he's a softball, still the backside punch, that punch will be harder to see. If you lose a tenth of a second of reaction time, you ain't seeing that. Yeah, yeah. That's why even in boxing, which is very much of a reaction sport of eye-hand coordination, you see champs and guys competing, you know, into, I mean, look, Ortiz, who just fought for the title, is 40 years old. Um, you can be... Yeah, Randy had a great career. Yeah, know? I mean, even at light heavyweight, you see, I mean, I still think he won the fight. Dan Henderson, when he fought... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The Englishman. Uh, uh, Bisping? Yes, Michael yeah. Bisping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't remember I'm picking up all the hints here. Yeah, yeah thanks, man. <laughs> it's like we're married. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so you know, Bisping at 46, I mean, hell, he dropped him and floored him in two different rounds, which I thought both those rounds it looked like Bisping was in survival mode. Those should have been 10 8 rounds, you know. Even Bisping wants to win the other three by a point each 10 9, 10 9, 10 9. You win two rounds by four points now. I mean, just it should have been his fight, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and we're making this argument about a 46-year-old. Yeah, so other than Brock Lesnar, who are the matches that, you know, as you continue on here that you need to have? Oh, I really, besides Brock, because of the history that we have, I don't really have anybody else that meets that uh, namesake. Uh, look, when I go out there and compete in martial arts, I'm still competing for the same reasons I competed the very first day I ever stepped on a mat. You know, at six years old, my first Taekwondo tournament, right? I'm out there to prove myself. And, and, and maybe if I fall short, why did I fall short? Now I can go back to the gym and work on it. You know, you know that's, all arts are about an expression of yourself so you can see the working parts and see how you think and see how you move and where are your shortcomings, where are your strengths. And that way when you go back to the, uh, the drawing board, you have somewhere a direction to grow. That's why I want to keep fighting. I, I don't know what I would do if I retired. If I really didn't have a reason to get up and go train, I don't know. Well, it sounds like you'll keep training no matter whether you're fighting professionally or not. Yeah. Like it's just part of your... Well, it's been a blessing and a curse. Uh, <laughs> the story I told earlier about having my daughter. Yeah. Uh, my daughter now is going to be... She'll be the champ. Uh, she's going to be the number one female fighter in the world. Uh, and what's her name? So everybody will uh, know. Isabella Mir. Bella Mir. And, <laughs> and uh, Lady Mir on Instagram. Um, she's already a, a state champion wrestler. She she's won. how old? 16. She won the state championship in eighth grade here in Nevada for the girls, which is a high school tournament. So she's competing against seniors and juniors. And I mean, I think her longest match was 30 seconds, you know. Uh, you know, she goes and trains with me at Syndicate and, and trains over at Drysdale's, and she's going with full-grown women that are world champions. And you know, and I've had to give a couple pep talks to them afterwards, like it's okay. I, I know she's just different. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, uh, uh, you know, women. You know, they handle their their losses a little bit differently. <laughs> um, um, but so that being said, I'm always going to want to be on the mat with her and training with her. I mean, hell, my dad still jumps on the mat and trains with me, you know, and he's in his sixties. So I, I think that once it's, if you really love martial arts and you're doing it because of the love of it, I can't imagine why, just because if you're not getting paid for prize fights, why wouldn't you train anymore? Yeah. That's not right. Only reason why I do prize fights is because it affords me not to have to go to work and I get to go to the gym all day. It's kind of like this circle of like, okay, well, if you, you want to train all day, yeah, I like training. It's cool. Cool. And at the end of it, if every three to six months you jump in and let everybody see you fight somebody, you can keep training. I'm like, all right, that works yeah. for me. If it makes the wife happy and I get to go to the gym, I'm good, man. <laughs> Do you have another Bellator fight lined up as of right now? Uh, right now, contractually, they have until I think about February to give me my last fight on the contract. Um, but I haven't had a chance to speak with Scott. I, I text him after the fight. But, you know, he has a lot of big things going on. So I'm hopefully that when he gets some time, he'll hit me up again and we can uh, sit down and talk if I'm going to extend. But my thing is I really would like to have much more of an open ability, unless you're the champion. This whole being held under one promotion, you know, I mean, look, uh, I'm fighting once every 10 months, you know. There's bare knuckle boxing now that I'm heavily interested in. Mm. Uh, you know, there's all these different ventures. And unless you're someone's champ or the number one contender, why can't you fight other places, you know? Unless they have a fight for you. I mean, I could fight every weekend, you know. Why not? Mm. You know, I mean, there's only so much time on this earth. I don't want to just spend it waiting in the, you know, in the ring, uh, the wings. Bare knuckle, is that something we might see you in? Oh, yeah, 100%. Really? I will do a bare knuckle fight. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, it's also to my devious master plan. I want to bring back bare knuckle MMA. Uh, I think it's much truer to the f- original art, you know, for uh, a hand on hand combat. You know, uh, you know, people don't get to wrap their hands and put gloves on before they get into a street fight. Yeah. Uh, and so punching someone bare knuckle, uh, you can't do it the same as if we're fighting professionally with our hands wrapped. Um, you can't hit as hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can one time, but then, <laughs> yes. you know, you, you have uh, quite a few bones in your hand that are not really designed to hit someone in the skull. And so that's why when people sit there and go, oh, bare knuckle box is so much more dangerous. Like, no, it's not. What are you smoking? Uh, not talking about us. <laughs> <laughs> or this cigar that I've, I've been interrupting. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. You've barely yeah. been able to smoke it at all. Uh, we'll get to it. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, JP grabbed them up from Cuba. Oh, awesome. There you go. There you go. Um, so anyways, the, my hand being wrapped and reinforced with tape and gauze and putting a glove over it, there's a misconception. People go, oh, that makes it safe. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You know why we do that? Because there's more knockouts now. Because people can hit harder. Mm. It protects the hand. It doesn't protect the head. I would fight anybody in the world in a stand-up fight. I mean, even Francis Ngannou, uh, Deontay Wilder, they want to hit me bare knuckle, I'll take it. Let's go. Yeah, wow. Because you're not, you're not going to be able to... I, I guess the easiest way to explain this to people at home is if I said, hey, you, you see that the cinder block wall in your back backyard go ahead and blast it bare knuckle most people are gonna like i'm not gonna hit that i'm like cool but if you let me wrap your hand if i had you know uh, stitch jacob durant back here we can wrap your hand and put a glove over it you'll hit it yeah i mean it might jack up your you know and that's an extreme version of it but you'll punch the bag hard because your hands are reinforced they're wrapped up and gloved you go bare knuckle on it you can't your wrist folds over you break bones in your hand you can't generate the same amount of power now it's more realistic to what a real fight would be it's like well you can kind of go medium power to the head you better place your shots very well because you're going to bust your hand up and you know even the bare knuckle we have now it's not true bare knuckle they're allowing them to reinforce the back of their hands and their wrist i wish it would just go back to the true art of it but like there's no material on from the elbow down naked Wow. Well, okay. So we're going to see you in bare knuckle and sounds like we're going to see you in pro wrestling. And really the, it's the best time for you to be getting into pro wrestling with the success of Ronda Rousey, Cain Velasquez getting back into this, Matt Riddle, uh, Tom Lawler, there's all this, you know, it's perfect for you to get in there too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and then bringing, uh, like I said, I think that, I think it's necessity now because look, oh, Oh, okay. Shh. Hey. Sorry, my, my my attack dogs, my yeah, killers. You can hear you can hear their attack dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I thinking? It's of? the perfect time to, yeah. to get into pro wrestling with you know. Well, the, the fans have so much been laid there, and I think that it's a necessity because look, look, twenty years ago, you know. Uh, a guy could put someone in an arm bar and he can, you know, harvest the energy of the crowd to fight through it. I think now most of the fans know that, oh, that's bullshit. You're in an arm bar. You got to defend it. There yeah. is no muscling out of this. There is no, yeah. you know, because. 20 years ago, it was Shamrock, Severn, and Tank Abbott, I guess. Yeah. Were the, the I guess they were the three that were in pro wrestling. Yep. They moved over to Abbott. I think then uh, Abbott became what? With the WCW and then yeah, he was in the three, contract problem. He was in three count. Remember? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, the boy band with Shane Helms and Evan Courageous. Did he really? Yes. Yeah, you'll have to. I'll show you after this. It's great. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. be embarrassed because you know it's funny. I watched a fight with Abbott. And he had a fight with Ferroso. Their rematch was in a backyard with a bunch of guys just drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. And I fought Tank Abbott. So I'm watching this fight, and it was just. 
hurt my feelings. It was sad. You know, when you sit there and you see somebody that you're like, oh man, that dude was really, you know, it's hard for me to tell my kids like, hey, I fought this guy. This guy was dangerous, scary dude. He put people in comas. And then now we're watching him move around. I'm like, oh, please stop. Someone turn the camera off. Was there, did he not have a buddy oh, there? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Well, as we wrap this up, once again, thank you so much for inviting me into your home. This has been a great chat. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, what advice do you have for someone who's watching this video and wants to break into MMA? Uh, obviously just, you know what, life, martial arts, everything's not a sprint. You know, if you sit there and start setting goals, like I want to be here in a year and I want to be, look, long-term goals are great, but they don't override short-term goals. Sit there going, Hey, look, I want to join a gym and I'm going to lot that with my work schedule and my social life with my, you know, my significant other, I'm going to have two hours a day to, to dictate to training, you know, five days a week. That's the first steps that people, you know, they, really you have to make. Can you set yourself up for success? You know, like, well, I'm going to be a fighter. I'm like, okay, well, how are you going to get there? And everybody wants to be at the top of the mountain. I'm like, cool. So what trail are you going to take? What direction are you going to go? Right. Do you have the right shoes? Do you have the right gear? Do you have the right, you know, the map? Do you know where you're going? Do you have the right people to assist you along the way? So I think just sitting back and being logical about how you're going to get through the next six months. Mm. All right, you want to be a fighter? That's great. What are you doing for the next six months? Yeah. How, what is your training going to look like? What gyms, what money do you have to train for, pay for training? Uh, and then on top of that, the next level is once you're in there and you are moving around, you only have one body. You know, I really wish that I would have, especially the mixed martial arts world, you know, everybody's about taping it up and, and drop a couple Advil and just, you know, just forget about it. Just, you know, muscle, you know, you know, nut up. Jesus, I hate that expression. Rub some dirt on it. You know, bullshit mentality. And uh, man, I'm paying for it a heavy price now <laughs> you know i mean yesterday or the day before we did our christmas photo shoots with my children and my wife and uh they had different rooms as you're going through to take a picture with santa claus and uh you know keep you entertained you know making cookies in one decorating cookies and mrs santa claus is another and you know, elves and, and there was one room where it was like a snowball fight now these little soft like uh spongy nerf balls that were simulating a snowball fight okay so my daughter who you know she's firing you know 80 mile an hour fastballs at people you know uh she jumps out there and my wife goes oh jump out there so here's my kids playing and i go to grab a ball i threw one and it felt like someone stabbed a knife into my shoulder as i throw the ball and i, just, I can't even play with my kids certain sports or without warming up and getting ready i'm like well i could right, do this right. but i better drop a bunch of kratom and, and take a bunch of cbd and then uh, let me go ahead and do a you know external rotation warm up and that's all from being stupid when i was young and not really respecting the hey you're injured right. chill out you yeah. know oh, you busted your ankle maybe don't go ahead and go for a sprint right now why don't you we can work on this you there's other ways around it so i think being respectful of your body and realizing yeah. you are mortal yeah. as much as fighters have an immortal mentality that i can overcome any situation look father time and and, and reality of your body there's a you're still a, an animal you know yeah, yeah. It, you have limits to what you can do and, and the, look the limits can be impressively far but they're still there. And so being respectful of your body is something I wish I would have really taken to heart when I was younger. Well, once again, thank you again for this. Appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you in a ring again and in a cage again. Thank you. Can't wait yeah. to be there. It's going to be awesome. Thank you again. This was great. Well, there you have it, my friends. That's such a great chat. Man, he's so well-spoken, isn't he? Uh, so it's not a matter of if we'll see Frank Mir in a wrestling ring. I think it's a matter of when. We'll see Frank Mir in a wrestling ring. A big thank you to Frank for inviting us into his home to do the interview. Also, thank you to Austin Aries uh, for connecting Frank and I and uh, 
and also for driving me to Frank Mir's house to make that interview happen. I mean, you heard Austin was off camera there. He's just having a drink, just enjoying the conversation. Um, but yeah, a big thank you to Austin for connecting us. And, and, you know, he was very hospitable. Austin was very, very hospitable in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, big thank you to him for that. And thank you to you for listening to this all the way until the end. Please do me a favor. Take a screenshot. Tag me. Tag Frank Mir. Let us know what you thought of the interview. And take a second to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and really, you know, just help to get the word out there as we close out 2019 and we head into 2020. We've got big news coming up for 2020. This isn't official yet, um, but I'm going to throw it out there. It's not official. I don't know when, I don't know where, and I don't know with who, with whom, but we're taking the Chris Van Vliet show on the road in 2020. We're going to be doing some live interviews both the podcast and the YouTube channel interview on the road in a theater. And I want to do it with you. So let me know where we should do it. Let me know with who we should do it with. Uh, so keep an eye out on my Twitter and my Instagram at Chris Van Vliet for the official announcement there. But just know that this is happening. And I probably shouldn't be saying it yet because it's not quite official. But we're looking at February 28th in Chicago. It's the weekend of the next AEW pay-per-view. So it's just a matter of who's going to be on that stage doing the interview with me. Who would you want to see and who would you want to get a picture with after? So it's going to be the live interview and it's also going to be a meet and greet afterwards. So keep an ear on the podcast. Keep an eye on the YouTube channel and look, uh, look for the announcement on Twitter and YouTube as well because that is happening soon. And man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to share this with you because usually it's just me and one other person and a camera, often in a hotel room or like this one, just you know, in Frank Mir's dining room. It'd be so cool to share this experience with you. It's such an intimate, awesome experience, and I can't wait to share it with you. As we head into 2020, and it's not just the year 2020, it's 2020. It's perfect vision, right? 2020. And I want you to have that perfect vision every single day as we head into the new year and in the new year as well. Don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. That's from Roy T. Bennett. And I think that's so fitting as we close out, not just the year, not just 2019, but as we close out the decade. Don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. Got one more podcast in 2019. We'll see you next Thursday. And oh man, it's going to be such a good one.